Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. Uh, we're talking about the failed award contenders, and we're talking about Todd Phillips' 2019 film, Joker. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube, this is just the trailer for the episode. You can go find it on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. Uh, because y you people are fucking weird about this movie, so this is just for our own sanity. Um... I don't even know if we want to give our opinions on the movie in, in this little tidbit teasing the episode. But, uh, yeah, you can go there and check it out. Uh, no comments on this one. Just, uh, yeah. To the people <laughs> uh, to the people who uh, maybe aren't regular listeners, just assume all the points we make uh, agreed with you and then don't follow up on it. Yes. <laughs> but for everyone else listening, welcome back. <laughs> Oh, you can say that over the phone, Batman, but if I had you here, I'd pound you to a pulp! Start pounding, Joker. Ah! Oh, we, I didn't even think about this. I just talk about, like, how all the Jokers minus two have actually been really interesting interpretations. Wait, there's a lot, there's honestly a lot to talk about with the Joker um, as a character um, and as a movie. All right. Now I can get started. I want to read off a tweet that uh, from when the Joker was premiering at the Venice Film Festival when it got a standing mm -hmm. ovation and the president... Where it will go on to win the Golden Lion. Yeah, and the president of Venice said, like, this is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Alex Billington, uh, class A film Twitter clown who always has his ass out and is just an embarrassment of a human being. I don't being. know who that is. Just, tr just trust me on this, roll with this. His tweet after watching the Joker was... There will be before Joker, and there will be after Joker. I don't know if the world is ready for this movie. Or maybe it is. It is gnarly. It is crazy. It is audacious. It doesn't hold back. Wow. I can't believe it exists. But it does. And it's coming. This is a professional film critic. So if you're curious about... Or, or you're not really positive about your own writing abilities i want you to know you're better than he is i i now feel good about every time i fucking just rolled out of bed and started recording a podcast with you yeah and just said things that just didn't make any sense and that i regretted later mm -hmm. like I, I i now feel a hundred percent better um i'll give you this for like the first half of that tweet i'm like okay i think the jury is still out on like the overarching influence of Joker 2019. Yeah, a lot's happened in the know? last two years, so it's kind of hard to tell yeah. right now. But <laughs> It's kind of hard to tell. Um, everything else in that tweet is just ridiculous. Yeah. Here's the one thing that we do seem to understand that that is a certainty. Remember, like, in opposition to the Marvel stuff, like, when they were, like, really uh, hammering away the Zack Snyder verse uh, DC stuff, they were like, oh, our stuff is much more film director focused. We're letting the film directors do it. And that was, like, clearly not true. Uh mm -hmm. Ever since that kind of imploded, uh, Godspeed to Zack Snyder. We've talked about his stuff. Uh, mostly fans now. Go check that out. I think it's honestly kind of true that they're more director focused now, for better or worse. No, they definitely. And I, I will say this is like this isn't one of those ones where we're going to come in and be like, this is clearly like what the studio, blah blah blah. blah. Like this is this is Todd Phillips' show, a hundred percent. Like, it's, it's what he wanted, and. Uh, in a way, I want. I honestly, it's this thing of like, all right. I think this movie winning the Golden Bear like 
gold mine. I mean, um, <laughs> sorry, was like the worst thing that could happen to it. Um, because it, it it was that one moment where it was like, wait, what if this movie's actually good? You know, mm-hmm. like there was because like I, I remember they announced it. I remember like the lead up to it. I'm like, there's there's no way this is gonna be good. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a weird way. I was kind of rooting for Todd Phillips because I, 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 I didn't like War Dogs, but I was kind of like, you know, I would, I, I like it when comedy guys try to do something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in, in the. It's also the weird position I was in where one of the Farley brothers like directed Green Book, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it was like I like in a way I'm like I yeah I want the I want the Farley brother to evolve and like try new things and it's like oh but he made like what's actually the worst movie of his career like (laughs) and i was kind of in a similar boat with todd phillips and joker and then um some like the you know some of the stills remember that video leaked of uh walking phoenix as joker on the subway train Mm -hmm. in that one scene remember that video and it was like that actually looks kind of cool and the trailer was okay. <laughs> I thought the trailer was fine, but there was like a weird like this. This movie might be something, you know. And I feel like maybe if I had gone into Joker, like someone just went like, "There's here's a Joker movie," and I hadn't had all this preamble of like the marketing, and it's like, "Oh, this is a taxi driver riff," and oh, it's it's won the Golden Lion. It's like actually, it might be this big fucking thing. Um. I feel like maybe I'd be a little more forgiving to it being like, hey, you know, it was trying some stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you watch it. And, you know, my, my grandmother used to say, <laughs> if you don't have anything kind to say, um, you shouldn't say it at all. So we're ending the podcast here. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know. There, um, I think there is actually one thing I really want to mention here that I'm... I'm almost. It almost works for me. It doesn't, but I like this cinematographer a lot. His name is Lawrence Schur. He worked on a bunch of other Todd Phillips stuff. He worked with Zach Braff on one of his movies. Um, that's not a positive either. It is actually a fairly good-looking movie. Uh, it's a little too something about the look of it. I want to get into in a second, but like it doesn't quite work. Uh, on the, the Michael Clayton episode, I talked about shooting wide open, the f-stop, like, all the way down to, like, 1.9 or, or 0.9 even, where it's only, like, the faces are in focus when they're super close. Uh, the whole movie's like like that, basically, and it doesn't look great for some reason here. Mm-hmm. Um, the color grade is a little ugly. It looks like piss a lot of the time. But I think that I, that's intentional, it, though. It is, like... but it's, like, it's also, it doesn't feel as, like, guided or directed as well. No, no, here's the it's it's one of these things where it's like so much of this is intentional and it's just bad. Mm-hmm. Like I like I don't know how to like there are so many individual elements here that like if you remove the element from the actual movie, I'd be like, yeah, that actually sounds like a good idea. And then when you watch it in the movie, it's like, oh wait, no. Yeah, like I mean like here's the thing about Joaquin Phoenix. He's one of our greatest working actors. I even like the look of the Joker in this, frankly. Is he one of our greatest of Oh, my God. We're not, we're not doing or this. Or is he... We're not doing I'm sorry. Like, Joker was kind of a moment where I was like, have we been overhyping Joaquin Phoenix? No, because you know what? He did... You were never really here, like, two years before this. He did, but, like, I almost feel like I, I saw a little too much of him in this movie. Like, it's... It's one of those things where, like, I watched The Master, which I think is maybe one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little differently now uh, because of this movie 
Interesting. I'm just, I'm just, but I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is just the direction around him. I, um, I think. Like a, a, well, here, go ahead. Oh, a performance is so determined by like a director. I think we, we sometimes just try to be like, it's the actor's job to give the performance, but like a director can really influence how that turns mm-hmm. out. And um, I wonder if just maybe Todd Phillips doesn't know how to show off what he's like. I, I think to bring it back to the master, I think PTA said like when they wrote, uh, when he wrote the master and was planning on filming it, he had like all this backstory he wanted to film for uh, Freddie Quill, Joaquin Phoenix's character. And then just in his performance and mannerisms, uh, PTA was like, oh, we don't need to show any of that now. You know, mm-hmm. like you can see the whole history of this guy just on his face. Like, we don't need to see what actually happened to him during the war. You can just see the war in his face. And I think Todd Phillips uh, doesn't know what should be put in and what shouldn't. I think that's actually the big thing here is that uh, he doesn't know what should be in frame and what shouldn't be in frame. Yeah, when I first saw this movie, I said, you give this script, the same script, the same production, uh, you you get them in pre-production. You swap out Todd Phillips with, like, Michael Mann or something like that. You can turn this into a good movie, I think, where, where things get overhauled and reworked into like something passable. You know, you're gonna. It would take a real overhauling of the movie, though. Like the, it would be one of those things where like you're you're not taking any of the organs of this movie, just the skeleton, basically, and even then you're swapping out a few bones. You know, like, <laughs> no, I I think you could keep the bones. I I think the bones are are. Solid, which is the nicest thing I'm know. ever going to say about Todd Phillips. Because I don't know. I think there's a lot here that, um, not saying it shouldn't be here, but it's just a mistake. Yeah. Uh, when discussing the look at Tiff of the film, Todd Phillips referenced um, the film uh, uh, News from Home. Are you familiar with that? You know what? I haven't seen that. Okay, and um, News from Home by by Chantel Ackerman is a great film. It's it's uh yeah yeah, yeah I, I I I know of it. I just haven't. All right, for it. people that don't know, it's it's uh, it's long takes, uh, set in and around New York City from uh with a voiceover from the director Chantel Ackerman, uh, mm. about letters she sent to her mother between 1971 and 1973. It's a beautiful film. It it's uh it looks wonderful, and uh, Todd Phillips I I believe called it Letters from Home. So I was like, hack! Uh, but whatever, slip-ups happen. That's not why he's yeah, a bad you know, director. Uh, yeah. I really can't call anyone out for slip-ups. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, but he said that was like a big influence, and they looked at a lot of that. And I don't see any of that movie in this, to be honest. Um, I just I just see the Taxi Driver, uh, King of Comedy, network mm-hmm. angle. I guess, you know what, to bring it back to the skeleton thing, where you're talking about, like do we keep the skeleton or do we don't? I think the problem is that this movie's skeleton is two other movies, mm. which are Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And then they fucking mixed up the bones. It's like fucking Piltdown, man. <laughs> like, they, they put the wrong bones together. Like, it's... Because I, I feel like a huge problem that this movie faces just on the surface is just that it is... It's one thing to be an homage to Taxi Driver or King of Comedy in, like, 70s Scorsese, but it hits... So many of the beats this movie hits feel like it's only hitting them because they were in either Taxi Driver or King of Comedy. Yeah, it doesn't you know? feel like we're falling 
like following an original narrative, it feels like, well, you have this movie already. I have this movie already. You know? Yeah. Well, it's one thing to be like, because like, there's a lot of taxi driver imitators out there, but it's one thing to have that, but it's another thing to be like, we're literally just like, the reason like this character, you're like, why is this character in the movie? And it's like, well, because there's a character similar to them in Taxi Driver. And it's like, why is there this unreliable narrator quality to this movie? And it's like, well, because those are both elements of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I get, and it's so weird. It's one, it's one of these movies where it's just like unreliable narrator for a Joker movie. Like on paper, it's like yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that makes perfect sense for a Joker movie. But then when you watch how they use it in the movie, it's a disaster, and I think hurts what the movie's actually going for. Um, but there's also the yeah, angle I'm, of like how we treat uh, like mental illness in this country yeah. uh and i feel like it's such a short-sighted way of of handling that subject matter because it kind of right. to me at least it feels like it's handing it off to, like individuals instead of like a systemic issue mm-hmm. it it thinks it's about systemic issues though like that's what's fucked up about this movie is that it really thinks it's about bigger things and it never really gets there. You it, know? It's too short-sighted from the creative side of it. It's too short-sighted, but it's also just like, there's just too much in the movie and none of it congeals well. Um, it's one of these movies, it's saying so much, it ends up saying nothing. And I and it, it, it's in direct opposition to a movie like Taxi Driver, which is a movie that is like, about a taxi driver, you know? Like, that's, uh-huh. on the surface, that's what Taxi Driver is. yeah. yeah. But they, like, Paul Schrader in his script, he's like, all right, it's about a taxi driver. He was a taxi driver. And it's like, all right, play it out. What is what is that? What is the metaphor? Play it out. There's that interview. You've seen him at the round table. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Where it's like, it's taxi driver. That's your metaphor. Just play it out. Like, that's what it is. And it's so weird where it feels like Joker, as a character, he should have a lot more to, to work with. And instead of letting it play out and develop naturally, it's such an on-the-rails movie that whenever there's a side tangent, you're just like, what is, what's your overall point, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, it's... Well, ultimately, it's not a political movie, like like Todd Phillips says in, a, in an interview with Slate. He says, but he's, the movie he's, isn't he's political. He's so full of shit when he says that. I mean, it's just impossible for him. I mean, he's either the, the densest person on the planet... Or he's lying. I think he's the former. Like, and I think this is a problem that a lot of these white comedic filmmakers have but, when they no, try to get the into thing. dramatic material. Here, here's the two things I want to say. One is that he was very pointedly that when like the the like cl- the clowns thing happens in this movie, where like the protests start up and people are holding signs that are like "We are all clowns" and shit like that. Um, he, that that was very pointedly a reference to. Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. Like, that is a one-to-one comparison right there. It's not subtle. It's not... That is what it is, you know? It's, like... So it's ridiculous to be like that. And then Todd Phillips is... And the thing that really kills this movie is Todd Phillips himself giving interviews where he just complains about cancel culture, you know? Yeah. Because if you look at the movie through the lens of this is about cancel culture... 
it suddenly a lot of shit locks into place, and then it, the movie is just a disaster. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you do a death of the author on this movie and just ignore Todd Phillips, it is a lot of ideas that just don't congeal well. <laughs> yeah. But if you give it that backbone, it's it's suddenly the worst thing ever. And it's it's to bring it to your white guy thing, it's one of those things where like by 2019, like however you felt about Trump or the Trump administration or what was going on in those years, th- those were some unprecedented years, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was about to get a lot more unprecedented the following year. Like shit was about to go off the rails and we all felt it. And all I can say is, like, cancel culture has already become a word where it's just, like, it doesn't mean anything, you know? There is a definition of cancel culture that I would agree with as being a problem, but a lot of people use cancel culture as, like, a shield against all sorts of criticism. Um, Fucking Vladimir Putin, like, two weeks ago (laughs) said he was a victim of cancel culture. Like, that's how meaningless the word has become. Um, But if you are someone... And you are giving an interview, expressing your beliefs. If let's specifically if you're an artist and you're talking about your movie and how you feel about the current culture your movie exists in, and the first thing you go for is cancel culture, all you're really revealing is that you are not a serious person about anything. If that is your takeaway, even if you believe cancel culture is a problem, if that is your takeaway is like the first thing to bring up, it's embarrassing more than anything else compared to what has been going on in the context around Joker. That's a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, well, it's just, you know, like I said, like I, there is a problem I think with online culture and just like our weird swarming around people and trying to destroy their lives so they do something we don't agree with you know Mm -hmm. like at a certain point i feel like we need to back off sometimes and then you know and and we don't realize we're contributing to it a lot of time because like sometimes like i'll drop a tweet about something that everyone's tweeting about but it's like all right i made that one tweet i ignored these 17 other things so i'm not really contributing to it but it's like i am because that one tweet adds up with, like, the, the wave of tweets out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, the overloading of our brains with just internet shit. And it turns into finger-pointing of, like, who started the blame game? Who started this swirl of hate? And, you know, the problem is really... I also think that thing is, like, if you're out there complaining about cancel culture, your real problem is with capitalism and corporations. Like, it's one of those things where, like, when Elon Musk talks about his fears about AI, he's really talking about his fears about unrestrained capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, cancel, the, the real fear of cancel culture is that we're in this age right now where corporations dictate so much of our private lives that if we get, quote-unquote, publicly canceled uh, and a corporation decides that, like, they can't work with us anymore, that they could literally, like, cut off, like, a lot of things that keep us alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you have it out there. There's stories going around recently about how DoorDash is refusing to serve customers because they don't agree with the content they're posting on their Twitter feed. You know? Wait, whoa, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, like, I missed this. Holy shit! It's it's a violation of their terms of service in some circles. Jesus fucking and Christ! It's uh, it's and a lot of it is targeted at sex workers. I'll just throw that out there. Um, and that's a big thing lately, where it's like Patreon now like won't support people. It's like. What you put on your Patreon could totally fall within their terms of service, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do something on Twitter 
that isn't under their terms of service, they will not support you on Patreon. And that's becoming more and more of a thing lately. God. Yeah, and it's something, and it's it's that thing of like where I, you know, just not, I don't want to like dismiss criticisms of cancel culture outright because there is something there, you know, like it is scary to be like if you publicly have your ass out, like it could truly ruin your life, you know. Now, when Todd Phillips was giving this interview, he was talking about a movie that would go on to be nominated for multiple Academy Awards. You know, won the Gold Lion, um, was both. Uh, was praised by a lot of critics. Some critics hated it, but a lot of critics really liked it. And a movie that made a billion dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he's out there being like, I'm being silenced. <laughs> like, that's where it becomes fucking ridiculous. And, then, and short-sighted. And then just cut to, like, all the transphobic shit and, like, the Hangover trilogy. Yeah. You know? And it really is the thing of, like, he just doesn't like that he's not allowed to tell the jokes he can he wants to tell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Todd Phillips? I don't like him. Outside? Uh, no, I, I don't like as, him. Outside of Joker. Um, I do have a soft spot for the first Hangover still. I'm sorry. I am, uh, mm-hmm. I was a teenager of the 2000s. It, it just happens. But I, I don't think he's untalented. I think he is constantly misguided and will never be able to make a good movie ever again. Mm-hmm. Or at least an entertaining one, without me wanting to like shoot myself, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, well, Hangover was weird. Was that was a movie I saw and like really liked it when I saw it, and then I don't know if I just matured after I saw it, or if it was the terrible quality of the sequels that like retroactively made. Well, oh, those sequels bad, are are like. like... You know, there's always these jokes about, like, oh, if you're doing a comedy sequel, like, good fucking luck. No, those, like, put that to the next level, because those are truly yeah. ungodly, unbearable films. They're unbearable, and they're, the the second one in particular is just lazy, you know? It, it's lazy, but that like, one's also, like, like, they're both evil films, but Hangover Part 2, I remember just being, like, repulsed by it. Like, it is such a mean-spirited, vile film. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like I, I just want to get beyond that because I because I think a big problem with Todd Phillips is that he writes a lot of his own shit, and I'm not sure he's a very good writer, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, I, I would agree um, with that. I'll say this: I saw Due Date when it came out. I have not seen it since. I remember liking Due Date, and that was a movie that like people didn't like when it came out. It looks like it's his most positively reviewed film on Letterboxd outside of Joker. Okay. Um, Actually, that's not true. The first Hangover. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, is it positively reviewed or just uh, most reviewed? Uh, positively, like the highest star ratings. It's like Joker, Hangover, War Dogs, and Due Date. Remember War Dogs? Yeah, I didn't like that one. That was a really that's, bad It's movie. very bad, yes. And that's kind of his like dry run of like trying to be Scorsese because he, he's doing... He's basically trying to do Wolf of Wall Street, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's it fails just miserably. Like, that's a movie that is just, like, I could just say top to bottom is just a failure. Yeah. You know? uh, it also stars Miles Teller, who has maybe the single most punchable face in Hollywood, and I don't feel bad about what saying that. What the fuck that. went on with Miles Teller, man? Like, like, there's a dude who, like, for a moment it felt like kind of had it all. Yeah, and then <laughs> and... he's just such an asshole that no one likes him. Wants to talk yeah, to him. Yeah, he's like unbearable. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it's kind of embarrassing. It's weird. Oh, it's weird. He hasn't been in a movie in five years at this point. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's gonna be in top. Like one of that is because he's in Top Gun, and that's been pushed back a shit ton. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think he was in the uh, that Too Old to Die Young, the uh, Nicholas Wending record. Oh yeah, yeah, and he series. works there because he's just fucking you know. <laughs> He can work if given the right material, but it felt like he was a guy where it was like, this is the next guy, and then he's just terrible. And also just doesn't really pick good movies, I guess. Yeah, well, he was uh, um, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And he spent, like, the whole uh, the whole media circus, or, I mean, media, whatever, uh, the hype train around that just talking shit about his character in the movie. Yeah, what a what a run. That film. Also, has. isn't he like he's like super anti-vax too? Right? Whoa, I don't know actually. I think he's one of those guys where it's like that's why they're fucking kept being problems on that the stupid Godfather movie that is coming out. Like there was like he's like refusing to get vaccinated and shit. Oh wow, uh, he's okay. According to an interview with the Rap, he isn't anti-vax. He's only anti-hate. So he's an anti-vaxer. Uh, oh, but he says he's vaccinated. Okay. Leave him alone. I bet you he's one of those guys, though, where it's like, he's vaccinated, but I don't think there should be any rules around people getting vaccinated. Oh. Jesus. Um, yeah. I think uh, there's an organization of truckers he can go join if he's looking for work. Oh, yeah. How are those guys doing? I don't know. I think they got lost somewhere he's in Ohio. Oddly, like, he's oddly framed as, like, the sympathetic character in War Dogs. Like, we're supposed to believe, like, he got in over his head in arms dealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually like I like Jonah Hill in that movie. Well Jonah Hill is just fucking great. Yeah, he is a good actor. Um oh god, I'm looking at the War Dogs poster and I forgot it was a Scarface riff. Is it? Yeah, it's the Scarface poster. Um Jonah Hill kinda in the Scarface position. Mm. Um which what what is this guy? What, ugh, Todd Phillips, just it's one thing. It's again, it's one thing where you're like, okay, yeah, you you want to be a director. Like they always say, like imitation is the best form of flattery. Like I have no problem with someone being like, look, I'm a big fan of this director. I want to be like them. I want to make a movie like theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Like I totally get that. If it's your first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Phillips has been making movies since 1993. Jesus Christ. He's been making movies since before I was born, and, like, now he's suddenly trying to pivot to be Scorsese. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is the point to talk about, uh, his first movie, um, which is actually a documentary called Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Oh, What? Um, do you know who Gigi Allen is? Uh, in passing. We are about to get into it. Um, alright. First, I gotta point this out. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cribbing a little bit from an article from Slate. I remember when this came out, uh, around, uh, the time of Joker's release called To Understand Todd Phillips' Joker, watch his documentary about Gigi Allen. Um, 26 years ago, the writer-director made another movie about a man who performed on-stage violence as entertainment. Um, it's, it's a pretty good breakdown of the parallels between Gigi Allen and, uh, 
and Todd Phillips' interpretation of the Joker. Um, I want to say, in my research, I found out that uh, the fucking the fucking blank check guys also cribbed from this article. Mm. So if I if I repeat anything they said, I apologize. <laughs> um, I just I remember this, and I think it is a really good uh, it, it's a really good point to make. Gigi Allen is a guy who some people call he's a punk rocker. Who some people call a performance artist um, who would like straight up like beat the shit out of people who came to his concerts and like would shit on stage and then throw it at the audience oh delightful and at the premiere of uh hated the documentary i believe at like sundance or something uh gg allen like punched a woman in the audience and then had to flee the screening because the cops were coming Uh... and todd phillips treats this guy like he's some sort of fucking interesting performance artist, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Gigi Allen sucked. I fucking hate people that like Gigi Allen. I understand the... the, like, fascination with a character like Gigi Allen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the, uh... I, I understand the attraction people have to like wanting to understand someone it you can't really get more out of that documentary than you could get from just reading his wikipedia page um and he's just virulently like a racist like per- it, i also want to say like it it comes across that he was he was a very damaged guy like if i could be like he the guy had a lot of problems and i'm sympathetic in that way and that I could, I guess you could see his performance as like a reflection of that. Now, I don't think is it's that interesting. You could probably get as much out of a Gigi Allen concert as you could get out of a fucking guy named Extreme Elvis. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Extreme no. Elvis? Extreme Elvis is a performance artist. He uh, is a fat. I, he might have died. Oh. Um, he he is a uh, fat Elvis impersonator who, when he performs concerts. He, uh, he strips naked and pisses on the audience while he does it. While he sings Elvis songs. Um, he gets arrested a lot for these performances. <laughs> I don't know if he's relevant anymore. He was like 10 years ago. Um, but I'm saying I, I think you can get more out of that than Gigi Allen, frankly. Um, Gigi Allen is, is currently dead. Uh, in between the the premiere of the documentary Hated and um, its re- its release, he had passed away. So Todd Phillips, who narrates the documentary, kind of gave a little uh, addendum. Gigi Allen dies at the age of thirty six from a heroin overdose, right? Um, which to me, I think, speaks to people that get like really into heroin are like it, it's it's really sad in a lot of ways, like. They're doing it to numb some sort of pain, and then you, it, it just gets its hooks in you, and it kind of destroys you, you know? Heroin is, like, one of the worst drugs out there, and it's sick that, like, like we, we just had, like, the whole oxycodone epidemic, you know? Like, and it's, it's again, like, I want to I want to express sympathy for Gigi Allen's life, if but not an excuse for his actively, like, violent behavior. Where, like, he, he would try to murder people who came to his concerts. Like, I believe one time... Uh, audience members had to like restrain him and like broke his arm to stop him from hurting people. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Todd Phillips had a different take on uh, Gigi Allen's death um, at the end of the movie. Here's, I'm, I'm going to quote from the, the Slate article. Um, Phillips mourns that he went out in such a hackneyed rock star manner. Personally, says Phillips, I always hoped he would go out in a more glorious fashion. On stage suicide, five dead fans, something rock and roll could never ignore. Oh. What is Joker doing in this movie? Oh, so Todd Phillips is like a monumental piece of shit. He's a he's a moron. <laughs> this is something an idiot thinks. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I, I honestly, I feel bad that I'm being so harsh, because, like... No, no, I I'm feel sure like someone... we're okay here, yeah. No, no, well, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of people... This movie really spoke to a lot of people. And... Oh, oh one thing I want to point out really quick. Uh, Todd Phillips, uh, you know who Todd Phillips got to do the poster for Hated? Um, wait, I gotta look it up real quick just to make yeah, sure yeah. it wasn't an, another documentary. Uh, I have something on the, the connecting with people, too, and, and why this movie might have been a hit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, pull up the, the name. You get the chance. All right. The original poster for uh, Hated was done by serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Oh, shit. Who in prison on death row became an artist and did paintings. And Todd Phillips reached out to him and got him to do the poster for Hated. Which... How, all right, so 93, how old's Todd Phillips? Let me look him up. He's born in 1970, so he's in his 20s when when he does Hated. So, all right, you want to make an excuse that, all right, he's young, he's dumb, he's trying to be transgressive, he's attracted to this guy who he views as transgressive. He likes the shock value of Gigi Allen. He wants to emulate that with his film, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird that you now... How many, like, almost 30 years later, uh, he's still doing the same shit with Joker, you know? Yeah. This is the dude who's, who's in Arrested Development. At the yeah, very least. Exactly. Not the show. Not the show Arrested no, Development. No, no. the actual state of being in Arrested Development. Um, I will say, I think Joker, like I said, it spoke to a lot of people. I think it really speaks to the desperate need in our culture right now to have movies that are actually about something that aren't just fucking superhero movies. Mm-hmm. It needed the like poster thing of Joker to get people to get into the theater. Uh, I, and I, my hope is that the people who watched it then later went and watched taxi driver and King of comedy. Now I know a few people who did, and I actually know someone who I'm not like friends with, but I follow their art on on twitter and i saw them recently they were asked like what did you think of the movie joker and they were doing like an ask me anything type thing on twitter and they said i really liked it when i first saw it but after seeing taxi driver and king of comedy i kind of realized it was a bit derivative and that gave me a lot of hope honestly that is very enlightening Uh, i have a couple more notes in that same vein but if you have more and i'm not here to be like i feel like you know, if people get, like, really emotional when you really go in on a movie they like, and people really respond to the Joker, and I think there's a sort of, like, the Oscar nominations it got, the Golden Lion kind of gave it a sense of legitimacy, that there's a certain crowd that is very defensive about it, and I feel like if Joker spoke to you, and I'm criticizing it, it could sound like I'm criticizing you as a person, and I'm trying not to, and I'm not, if I'm calling Todd Phillips an idiot, I'm not calling the person 
who watched this movie an idiot. If th- This could be a gateway film for a lot of people. Um, I think Joker wouldn't succeed in a world where we maybe had a more wider appreciation of film history and took film as an art seriously instead of IP and content above all mm. else. Um, and I, I once said to a friend, and I'm only quoting myself because this friend brings it up every time I see them, <laughs> that one time, I guess we were just talking, I just casually pointed, I threw out the like, there are some people out there who only see the bad movies. And for some reason they thought that was hysterical. But my point being like, there are some people who only go and see the like really bad blockbuster bloated movies that are out there. Yeah. And more and more that is becoming the only crop in theaters these days. So like you don't even really have options. Um, And it's the thing of like, I think Marvel gets a pass because Marvel is like slightly above just being complete trash, you know? Mm -hmm. They're competent enough movies. And I feel like if you're someone who only pays to see comic book movies, not that it's you're a bad person or an idiot, just that if that's the only thing you're getting and then Joker is suddenly injected in their system, you know, it can feel a lot more revolutionary than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that saying? Like, uh, a fish can't tell the pond from the ocean? Right? Yeah. Like that, I think that is a thing, too. And I think people find that insulting because it kind of is. But, like, the idea behind it is, is kind of sound. And I, I think it's very true. I'm, not, I'm really not trying to insult yeah, people. Yeah, no, 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 like, no. I, 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 I don't think you are. I think you're being much more mature about this than I would have been had I explained those very same things. But I'm going to... Uh, in the similar vein of that, um, I know a lot of people who, like normal people who watch like five movies a year who saw Joker and they liked it because it was like, it had more in common with like a drama than a yeah. fucking big bloated action movie. Like I know people that just don't like these, so they don't go to the movies as often anymore. I think that's something that gets left out of the conversation when we're talking about mm-hmm. like the death of cinema or whatever, like the monopolization of uh, art in Hollywood. Right, because this is really a Hollywood problem. We should also have to start like talking about this, where other countries don't have this issue to the same degree that we do here, <laughs> because they yeah. actually give funds to the arts. Like, look at what happened with uh, director Bong Joon Ho. His whole career he ended up blowing up over here because yeah. in the early two thousands, Korean cinema got like a, a huge inflation from government funds and loans and grants. And I even think. Even those countries, I feel like, aren't radical enough in that way. No, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just saying that's how far behind I think America is. That, like, what what you're describing is, like, to me, like, the neoliberal response to art and, like, supporting the arts, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Like, I firmly believe there should be a film equivalent of the library, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I would agree with movie that. The- movie, th- like, not, like, renting movies from the library, but, like, a movie theater that shows movies that you can go to for free. And they they don't show new movies. They show, like, classic films, right? Mm-hmm. And it's first-come, first-served basis and shit like that. I think that should be a normalized thing in our society. And it just isn't. And, like, to try and explain movie outside of commerce to anyone in this country, sometimes, like... They're like, what are you, a fucking commie? Like, no, there's totally that reaction where it's like, well, this, they're made to make money. It's like, well, here they are. Mm-hmm. And again, like like you're saying, I, th- I think there's there's much more that could be done elsewhere as well. But just like that that mm-hmm. is the positive I can attach to that still needs work. And it is significantly mm-hmm. better than what we have here yeah. in, in America, in the United States of America, it is just like, it does seem depressing. And there was a lot of conversations on Twitter recently about like, 
you know, like how it kind of, there's the, there's this idea of like the pretentious film student in, in art school. Who's like, yeah, I want to talk about like the Godfather and inception. And it's like, that's our idea of pretentious now. Like these mm. publicly well-received hit films <laughs> that most people agree are at least good or in the vein of some of the best stuff ever released in this country. <laughs> Yeah, pretentious used to be getting up and saying you didn't like The Godfather or something. You know? Yeah, but I, I like there's this really spun out because it's a mutual friend of mine uh, who had started that Twitter thread because they were they're frustrated, rightfully so. We're, we're frustrated in similar ways regarding the the status of films like that now, and it feels like mm-hmm. people that even go to film school now don't really watch movies; they just want to make them, which is I I think some people don't understand that like as an art you don't always have to engage with every aspect of the medium you probably should engage with most of it though you know what i mean like david lynch doesn't watch a lot of movies because he's an artist in a bunch of different capacities you know Mm -hmm. and if you're gonna make movies you should at least try to engage with like what makes one you know (laughs) well yeah you know like I, I would honestly argue, like, you really don't, you don't, like, you maybe need to watch movies to understand what a movie is. I, I think a, a great filmmaker could come from, like, maybe you watch, you maybe you are one of those people that watches, like, five movies a year or something. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, like, the idea of just go, wanting to make movies, but, like, what do you, that, like, you're not even thinking about, like, what am I trying to say with the movie? That you are literally going in the movies because you just want to be another cog in the movie machine, you know? Yeah. Like that's crazy. I mean, a lot of the responses in in this. I mean, this thread spawned like dozens of other threads responding to like in support of like yeah, it's frustrating right now being a, a college professor and hearing people just want to like they see them as like Marvel plot machines now. And others are like, well, no, actually, like I'm finding a lot of people are very responsive to. And there's like a wide breadth of responses to like the state of movies and how people watch them now. And honestly, mm-hmm. seeing people be like like that. That there's even a wide breadth instead of just one singular response was kind of like inspiring in a way. Like yeah. it's bad. It's not good right now, <laughs> but it's not. It's not like mis- I felt good coming out of it. And then also, there, here's this one thing that that comforted me the most. Let's let's look at like Inception. Inception's a decade old now, mm-hmm. which is depressing. But it it's it's you know qualifying as an older film now officially i would Mm. say right not to us but to people coming up in high school right now or something like that or entering college for the first time Mm. i think it's okay if they're not rushing out to watch films more than a decade old if you're that young if you decide you want to devote your life to movies and creating art in this medium i think Mm. you should start exploring stuff sooner that's all. And I do think yeah. that, like you said, we should have movies available, like like libraries for free to watch yeah. and just, just give more support in any capacity to this incredible art form that is kind of a marriage of literally every other art form. I think that's what makes yeah. movies so cool, you know? It's, it's a marriage of art forms and it's also a marriage of technology in a lot of ways. I mean, movies are like engineering problems a lot of the time, mm-hmm. too. Like... You straight up have to deal with the fucking apparatus of a camera, you yeah. know, which that which has changed so much in just the, the very brief history of film compared to other art forms, you know, mm-hmm. and that can be drastically influential. And I think maybe it's just that cameras are just so normalized. People don't think about it that way. But it's also this weird, like, 
obfuscating of just like how labor intensive most films are you know yeah um that it it which i maybe is like a thing people like they want to keep the money conversation going because like they want to just talk about the business and labor aspect of it but it, it kind of ignore it, it's missing the forest for the trees a lot of the time you mm-hmm. know um yeah it's just it's it's a depressing state and to me like this movie bummed me out more than like avengers endgame did you know interesting like avengers endgame was just more of the same shit just bigger you know mm-hmm. Like, and I would say this, my, my thing with Marvel is I feel like if there was one Marvel movie a year, I like, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't have nearly as strong opinions on it. I don't think most people would either. Like if they were all of like that same middle of the road quality, mm-hmm. I think it would be fine. It's the problem is that they're, it's, they're almost like have a monopoly on what gets wide releases now and they're sucking everything else up into it, you know? Mm-hmm. They're like these black holes of cinema, and that, like, it's where, like, if you have any goodwill you want to give towards them, just, like, dissipates, you know? Yeah. But this, to me, was, like, this weird, like, like, not only are we, like, sucking up all of, like, just kind of genre films into into the Marvel thing, it's, like, we're, we're, we're getting Scorsese into it, like... Like, Scorsese went in a taxi driver with a lot of things to say about fucking being in New York, about the state of America at the time... The, like the run up to fucking like in that weird period between Nixon and then going into Reagan, the Carter era, like it's he he's he's got like all these influences by like the fucking Italian neo realists and the French New Wave and like he had a lot going into it and it's just like all of that can get like sanded off and just put into a fucking movie starring a clown that likes crime, <laughs> like that's that was a real bummer in a lot of ways. And not only that, it made a billion dollars, too. Like, it was just, it was, like, it was legitimized in this way that Endgame, to me, was like, okay, whatever, it's the same Avengers stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not defending that movie, I'm just saying it's more of the same kind of problem. Whereas Joker, like, it widened the net a lot more and made me really worried about the future of film. And I'll give I'll give Todd Phillips this. I think his pitch to Joaquin Phoenix was that like he said that deep down Joker's a heist film, not because of anything that happens in the movie, but he's like I'm literally going to take fifty million dollars from Warner Brothers and just do whatever I want with it, just because I'm calling it Joker, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of, in a way, I res- I, I kind of respect that and. As there's a part of me, it's like maybe they'll just start doing this with IP now, where like they'll do all these movies that like cost between thirty to fifty million dollars that they just like will take a wash on it and will just let it be whatever it wants. But even that's depressing. You yeah, know? I used to think that was kind of like a, an exciting out to the state of things, but no, I I agree. It doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't fix anything. You know, it's like trying to fix it yeah, within like the system that's broken. I mean, it's the democratic candidate of movies. Yeah. Uh, like it's objectively better, but it's not really fixing. And, and here's here's the thing that gives me nothing but hope about this too, is that eventually these pipelines are are, are just gonna break. They're gonna burst too. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at like Morbius. Morbius is is gonna be like the first superhero bomb in like a long time, which is yeah. depressing to say. But the more I I think about it, the, the but more again, that's Morbius. No, I mean that's the thing though. Like eventually they're gonna run out of of, of like. Mm-hmm talented people to kind of scoop up and like kind of shove into these these pipelines and also like if something goes wrong in in the production pipelines of certain other franchises 
the whole thing kind of starts falling apart, which I think we're going to start yeah, seeing but very soon. That's frankly the insidious move that is happening with the MCU right now with the multiverse thing. Like that is a hundred percent. I'll give him this. Kevin Feige is a smart producer. That is a hundred percent. All right, we're opening up this multiverse thing. He saw that Joker made a billion dollars. He's like, Marvel should be able to do their own Joker films. Like, not like a Joker, but like, you know, are kind of off the Bible stories, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That are like, okay, filmmaker first, 30 million, you can take this character, do whatever you want with it, right? Mm-hmm. And if it bombs, then you're like, okay, well, that was Earth 6 or something, you know? Uh-huh. Like, it, it's not part of the main continuity. But if it hits, then you got a new franchise right there. And that's what they're pivoting. I would be shocked if they produce something that costs less than one hundred and fifty million dollars. I'm not sure if maybe if he if they want to do that, but I they have to see the numbers that. I bet you everyone right now is going to look at the numbers Morbius does right. Mm-hmm. That Morbius is probably going to bomb, but look at how much it ultimately makes in totality whatever that number is is the number that every comic book movie will make forever from now on like that is that will be the the baseline you know Mm -hmm. and if you go like okay uh what budget would justify making that much money and if it's like okay well now we can do the fucking stilt man movie because we put marvel and stilt man on the poster (laughs) and it's like it it's because it's that, because it's IP, and because enough of the fucking internet ecosystem will just hype this movie up just because it's IP, we know we can at least hit, like, $150 million, you know? Mm-hmm. Like like I said, there's a problem with the mentality of Hollywood of, like, every movie needs to make billions of dollars, but I think they even see that that isn't sustainable. I think the pivot is that they know, all right, we can release, like, six $30 million movies a year, and they will all at least make $150 million. And there will be maybe that one in a hundred that will make a billion like Joker did, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that's where you start getting talks of fucking Joker 2, which is just embarrassing, frankly. Co-starring Lady Gaga. Is that true? Like, you said that to me, and I don't believe I'm, it. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. All right. I, I still don't even believe that's going to happen. All right. Well, we'll see. But... Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I am optimistic about a lot of things. I still think we got to go through this weird storm ahead of us. No, I I do too. And like the more these big conglomerates kind of keep like tighten their grip on like the film industry as we know it, I really think we're on the verge of like people just making new forms of like film, like be it through TikTok or Vimeo. YouTube is is fucking well, there's, dead. There's but, that. You know. There's all that. But I think a lot of like the uh, that stuff shifted to just the video game world. I think indie video games are still kind of like pushing boundaries and stuff like that's that. That's true. That's another big thing in the, in the multiple threads I, I saw of uh, people responding to like what movies younger people watch, you know. And I don't want to be someone who's like these kids these days and shit. But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of it is also like, well, you know, they get more out of video games now. Which I, I yeah. just, that one's a little more depressing for me, frankly. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not super depressed by it. I just wish that like we didn't have like a one or the other type attitude. Yeah. Like they're know? different mediums. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love it if someone like made a movie and it's like, well, what was your main influence? And it was like, I played a lot of dark souls. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like I would love that. Like I, I would love the cross pollinization of like these two forms of art. I think that should happen more. I think there is a silo effect where people don't understand that. Like, you know, 
a lot of directors are influenced by like paintings and shit like that you mm-hmm. know yeah and I, there's not really that's not really talked about a lot and I would love to see that with uh, video games and movies yeah and I, I it's that thing of like I I'm actually really excited about the younger generation and I would love to see what type of movies they made but I just don't think they have the same platforms and pipelines that older generations did and because they aren't there they aren't looking for them you know mm-hmm. like, like there's no one going into a film school now there's like a, it's becoming less and less people who are like I want to be the next Tarantino I want to be the next Spielberg right mm-hmm. like and I want to be the next James Cameron I want to do shit and like you know plenty of people went to film studios with that mentality and came out and made a lot of shit movies but they at least like had that vision where I think now a lot of people are just like I don't know it'd be a fun job and it's a little sad you know yeah and uh, again this all kind of ties back to just like not really paying attention or not not really funding or giving attention to the arts you know like mm-hmm. in, in a way that's like meaningful because uh not not just that the the old pipelines didn't used to be there you know now it's like the more the bankers and like the lawyers got involved with the industry which kind of started as like a a carny business you know yeah <laughs> Where i was like oh you're a bunch yeah. of creative people who want to make stuff you need some money for it all right let's figure it out and then now it's kind of like well how can i make more money off of you than humanly possible you yeah know? Uh, I mean, that's the weird, like, self-correcting thing about... Um, I was actually thinking... I just rewatched Scarface the other day. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't watched Scarface in a little bit. And, like, a real fucking idiot. Um, I... It only really hit me on this rewatch that Tony Montana is a character with zero redeeming qualities. Like, he is not a guy who goes on a transformation, you mm-hmm. know? He starts the movie as a bad guy and ends the movie as a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's so weird because like so many gangster films are kind of about that sort of transformation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so many of the stories are like, okay, here's how you you slowly start justifying worse and worse actions, or even something like The Sopranos, which is like Tony is kind of like he wants to change but not really, and then ultimately doesn't over the course of The Sopranos. Um, or Breaking Bad where like the debate is like when did Walter White kind of become Heisenberg you know mm-hmm. like the eternal debate and like people make the point like he was Heisenberg from the beginning he was just looking for an excuse you know yeah which is a really interesting take right uh, but Scarface is not that like Scarface is literally like I'm a bad guy I'm gonna do bad shit and I'm just gonna rise in the world and like why is this guy so Invested. Why is this guy with no redeeming qualities so invested in the American dream? And it's like, oh, because it's built for guys like him. Yep. And then when you get on top of that, what is his downfall at the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. He does the one moral thing. <laughs> the, the whole movie doesn't do anything good. He does one good thing at the end of the movie, which is he won't kill children. That's it. And because of that, he gets wiped out by the other gangsters, by the other drug dealers. And it's like, that's fucking corporate capitalism in a nutshell, man. Mm -hmm. Like, that is, it's that thing of like, let's say whoever's the head of fucking, who's the head of Walt Disney right now? Uh, It's one of the other Bobs. I don't know. Yeah, another Bob. Let's say he suddenly fucking, like, they recently had that big blow up with like, 
He was like, actually, I talked to the governor of Florida, and he says the bill actually isn't homophobic. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, then you said that, fucking idiot. And then he had to walk that back, and now they're, like, in this weird spot, and now fucking the fucking QAnon Republican Party is accusing Disney of, like, being a fucking pro-pedophile company, because that's where we're at right now. Yeah, like, they're, they're just starting to eat themselves. Yeah, and it's it's that thing of, but it's that thing of, like, let's say if he suddenly grew a pair and was like, you know what, I'm going to take a stand. I am going to come out and be like, this company is pro-gay, this company is pro-trans, we're going to take a stand on this, very vocally. Like, that, all that would happen is then, like, all the fucking, all the board is just going to turn on him and throw him out, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, we don't give a fuck about that. We just care about fucking making twice the money we had last year. Yeah, it's like, don't rock the boat, but also make us more yeah. money. And it's like, well, how, what do you think's going to happen in the world that we live in now? You know? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is Scarface is one of the best encap- encapsulations of the evils of capitalism ever made. Yeah. Thank you, Oliver Which is Stone. something that just never, I just never picked up on it. Like the like the, the dozens of times I watched it, it just never really hit yeah. me. Oliver Stone wrote that, uh, oh, Sidney Lumet almost directed that. Yeah, isn't that that one where like they were gonna, they traded movies or something like that? I don't that? know the full details about it, but I know he, Lumet really wanted to make it like a hardcore anti-Reagan piece, and they were like, that's mm-hmm. a little too saucy for us right now. But it is an anti-Reagan piece. Like, like harder into it. It, it is, mm-hmm. it is, but Lumet is like, you know, it was a pretty radical guy for his era. Yeah, I guess it's that thing of just like, I bet you Brian De Palma maybe didn't go into it with the mentality of that it being an anti-Reagan piece, but it ultimately stands as an anti-Reagan piece of film. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's, a good, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, yeah. Better than anything we've talked about today. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure I brought up something good. Oh, yeah. I brought yeah, up sure, uh, director Bong Juno. Yeah. There you go. It's better than everything now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, I don't know. Uh I don't know how much more we have to say about Joker. I think we kind of talked about a lot more interesting stuff revolving around the yeah, we culture talked more that around allowed it, it to be a hit. It's not worth it. I think the closest movie comes to being anything is that one, it's kind of scatterbrained shotgun approach to dealing with culture. Um, could almost be seen as like a weird reflection of just like the, the like data saturated world we live in where we're just constantly bombarded with different like news stories and stuff which is a bummer that it takes place in the 80s then yeah i mean it but it just it's that thing of like it's why i think maybe this movie spoke to people because it literally it's covering so many topics that you can come out of this movie believing anything Mm -hmm. you know and i'm not even saying that we should take like a hard stance on stuff it's just it's so scatterbrained you can come out of this movie thinking it's actually a really strong movie about how we don't take care of our mentally ill um, I think the reason why the establishment rallied around it is because this is how the how the establishment views mentally ill people, and that they're secretly terrified of them. Uh, you know, that, that I think that's sense, the real yeah. reason why like it got like Academy Award play and shit like that. Um, and then the only other thing is that. The argument you made that Joker is ultimately like a parody of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy like movies, you know, that I could see someone making that argument. I wouldn't agree with it, but I think that's the closest this movie really becomes comes to being anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like Todd Phillips gave the game away when he just started complaining about cancel culture. Like once you know that, it's like 
suddenly the movie makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And like the the fucking just jumping over, like doing backflips to make it fit, because like the whole Murray Franklin Robert De Niro thing just doesn't make any sense in the movie. Oh, you know you what? Know? There's something I genuinely love about the movie that is not anything the movie actually succeeds at. It's just that uh, Mark Maron's in this because he's like a hardcore, like, fuck superhero movies guy, right? Yeah. And then he got the call like, hey, do you want to be in a scene with Robert De Niro? And he was like, oh, I'm going to get so much shit for this, but of course I want to be in a fucking scene with Robert De Niro. <laughs> you know? Because mm. like, why would you say no to being in a scene with Robert De Niro? And then he stood up to Todd Phillips when Todd Phillips gave his statement. Uh, Maron went on his podcast and was like, look, like I don't agree with what he's saying, mm. and and you can like I don't believe that that's really the problem here. That people care about like they they want they care about the content. They're not trying to stop you from saying anything. You know. I didn't know that. Good for him. I remember that. I like Marin. Marin's like got like problems, but like he's at least like honest about himself. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? The genius is the one most like himself. <laughs> Like, that's, honestly, that's the thing, it's like, Mark Maron is, like, the personification of that, whereas, like, everyone else in this movie is, like, flop-sweating and, like, insecure. <laughs> Which is just the vibe I get from this movie. Uh, okay, you know what, one genuinely good thing in the movie. Uh, I think the score by, I'm gonna fuck up this this pronunciation, it's an Icelandic name. Hildur mm. Guanadatir? Hildur, I'll just call sure. her. Uh, I think her her work is better than the movie is allowing it. Here's the thing: I like the score. I don't like how it's used in the movie. No, no, because the image is. I want like someone nothing. to take the score and build a movie around it. Yeah, like I mean, he, like the way Sergio Leone used to just call up fucking uh, Anita Marcona and just say, "Right, here's what I'm thinking of. Just do do a fucking score," and then he would write the movie to the score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and like, that. I think of, like, the scene in the bathroom where, like, Joaquin and Phoenix is doing that slow dance, and you're like, this is supposed to be, like, impactful or meaningful, but it means, like, nothing. Because there's, like, no yeah, build to it. Yeah, what is the it. dancing thing? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, like, what serious art movies do, so that's why he did it. Like, 100% Yeah, that's but it's also, like, I think it was, like, a, it, like, Joker was supposed to laugh in one of the scenes when he danced, and Todd, and Joaquin Phoenix was like, Actually, I think you should dance. And then that just became, like, this visual, like, motif, you know? Yeah. And it, it and doesn't work. Maybe... But the, the music there, I was like, hey, this is, like, way better than what I'm watching right now. I'll give Joker this. Uh, trailers um, were very ripe for, like, meme material. Oh, yeah. and I, I, love, mean... the, I love Joker trailer parodies out there. Also, the, uh, the fucking I'm going to become the Joker... That is oh, maybe yeah. my favorite meme of, like, the last five years. I get yeah. a kick out of that. Sorry. No, it, it, I, I think... It, it's one of these things where, like, I don't want to dismiss the movie entirely. I think I, maybe with, like, a little more distance, I'll have a different take on it. But as of right now, it it's a, it's a frustrating and, like, kind of uh, unlikable movie. And... Um, I would say watch Taxi Driver, watch King of Comedy. Um, fuck, I'd even like recommend something like Big Fan. Did you ever see Big Fan? No. That's a. It's kind of a a riff on um kind of the King of Comedy Taxi Driver thing, uh, with a sports fan. No, no, the fan. By... No, 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 not the fan, not Tony Whoa, Scott. Whoa, wait, what? Uh, Big Fan is a dark comedy starring uh Pat Oswalt. Oh. 
it's actually really good. Um, I know Pat Oswalt kind of has kind of had his like ass out on uh, on Twitter a lot lately. Mm. Um, but he gives a really good performance, probably the best performance he's given, and it's like him is just kind of a uh, a, a manic kind of New York Giants football fan. Oh, okay, he's a good actor, and, and yeah, it, bummer about the ass out stuff, but I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of his acting work. It was it was uh, written and directed by Robert Siegel, who uh, wrote The Wrestler, and was also like the the senior editor for The Onion in like the late nineties. Oh. <laughs> um, and he's he's really interesting writer and it was one of those things where like he couldn't get big fan made for a long time because uh because uh it was too the script was too dark mm. and then he when the wrestler like got all that awards clout like he suddenly got big fan made oh. and it's really good and it's it's this movie inspired by he said he would listen to like sports radio and there'd be those guys that you know call in like every week into like the sports radio talk show mm-hmm. And he was like, what does that guy do after he gives, like, his weekly statement, you know? Yeah. And that's what that movie's about. And it's really fucking dark. <laughs> and it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll check uh, it out. I didn't hear that one before. The other movie I could recommend um, is, I would recommend, is James Gunn's Super. Oh, uh, boy. I have brought up a few times yeah. on this podcast. Uh, which James Gunn very directly, like he pitched the movie as Taxi Driver meets Napoleon Dynamite, which <laughs> is very much what that movie is. That's fucking perfect. Wow. And uh, it's also, it, it ties the fucking Taxi Driver thing into the superhero thing better than Joker did. You know what? I never put that together because I hadn't heard that before, but that is exactly what that is. Wow. Yeah. And even that movie, I will say like, the ending of that movie kind of ends the way it does because that's how Taxi Driver ended, right? Which is I like I will push back on that. I want to do a James Gunn retrospective, so I don't want to get too into it. Mm-hmm. But I think that film, for what his personal life was at that time, I think is very honest. No, no, I love. I I put Super in my top ten of the decade. Really, I mean. Super's one of my favorite movies and kind of was one of those like this changes how I watch movies. Mm-hmm. Which is why like I'm I go I'll still go to bat for James Gunn, even if like he's been a real fool on Twitter. And even if uh I he makes a movie I don't like, you mm-hmm. know? Like I'm kinda oh, like I, I'm still gonna sh- I'm still gonna show up for James Gunn, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh and didn't he just meet with fucking Francis Ford Coppola? Yeah. I only just found out about this. How did, like, Twitter not explode the day that I happened? don't know either. Well, probably because people fucking hate James Gunn now, and I'm like, no, you're picking the wrong fight. <laughs> I mean, James Gunn, he do- he is acting a fool on Twitter. You know? Yeah, well, like he had the, the response to, like, when he was interviewed about the superhero stuff, people were talking crap about superhero stuff, like Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and he was like, yeah, it hurt my feelings, yeah, he, and it's like... It hurt his feelings, and, but he, he also, he didn't shut up about it for a yeah, while yeah no and i was and like dude they're not talking about it anymore <laughs> no yeah, one that's and... the thing i mean we talked about that before too but like the people that were like yeah i'm not a big fan of superhero movies i don't like what they're doing to the industry like they stopped talking about it after that one interview everyone else I will was talking though, about fuck it. it it did feel like for a while though like scorsese would like come out say something did disappear for a few weeks and then would come back and like just lob another grenade into the middle of film and superhero Twitter. Yeah, that, like. that was kind of fun, though. And then he was like, when he had that article, and he was like, no, I said what I said. 
here's yeah, what I mean. I know, like, <laughs> like, it's like every time he comes out, it's like, maybe you're not hearing me. Yeah. Like, it almost felt like for a while, like he was trying to instigate a fight. A little bit. Like, yeah. It was like, I want someone to take a swing at me just so I can beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Like, have, I, have I told you my, my superhero Scorsese thing? Um, probably, but I'm okay. Well, I'll say for the podcast too. Like, look at look everyone. If if you don't think Scorsese was actually interested in any of this superhero shit or comic book shit, do you not think that he would go out immediately make the best one, right? Like he he would. Sorry, Spider Man Two, the greatest of all time. Scorsese makes a Daredevil or something like that. It's over. (laughs) There's no competition. it, It would be like like. Let's just close Hollywood yeah. now. Like, I will say, Scorsese, I know, like, he's kind of, like, he's been out there so much of being, like, fuck superheroes. If he pivoted, like, right now, he could make the first billion-dollar movie of his career. Yeah. Like, it would it would totally work. Mm-hmm. Like, but he, he won't do it, which I, I respect. You know, I, I know, you know, I do, too. But you know what would be even more fucking awesome? He's like, he makes it. He's like, oh, yeah, I made the best one because the other ones weren't good enough. You know, yeah, that would be, fucking, that would be just amazing. whips his fucking dick out. Like, well, isn't Spielberg is still supposed to do that Black Hawk movie? I don't know about that. I don't know if that's gonna happen. It, it could be like a it could be like a Robopocalypse type movie where he's just constantly attached to it. and It doesn't get made. Yeah, yeah. But he, but it making... would be wild if Spielberg suddenly did a superhero. Yeah, movie. that would be fucking incredible. He should have done super- Superman, honestly. Yeah, but he, I, I I don't know. I I want him to do something, but I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want him to walk on a path that's already been trodden a little okay. bit. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get that. That even though he just made West Side Story, <laughs> literally he had to follow up one of the greatest movies ever made, and then like he blew it out of the water. Like, yeah. well, here here's what he's doing. Bullet. Oh yeah, you're right. He's fucking doing Bullet. No, he's doing another movie about the Bullet character, not a remake. Okay, but still, fucking bring it oh, on. Oh yeah, no, no, like, no. That's what I'm saying. Like. He, I think he's got, like, the hunger for, like, the blockbuster again, you know? Or at the yeah. very least to show, like, what cinema's capable of, like, with spectacle. Although, is, isn't Bullet isn't Bullet a cop, though? Bullet's a cop because he's based on a cop. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a San Francisco police detective. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if I want Spielberg doing that. <laughs> if, it's in the, if it's a period piece, I could, I could fuck with it. That's the most I can um, give hey, it. Do you know the basis for Bullet... Um, was also the basis for uh, Dirty Harry. I actually did know that. Um, and it's the character Mark Ruffalo plays in Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Detective Dave Tashi or whatever his name was. Um, and he didn't like... It should be... No, he didn't like Dirty Harry because he didn't stick to due process. That's <laughs> um, hey. me watching the, the Spielberg Bullet movie. Do I feel lucky? Punk? Anyway, Joker, um, I will say I kind of hate that it's set in specifically 1981. Yeah, Gotham shouldn't have a time period. No, no, I don't care about that. No, that's my take. I, that's a fine take, but like, that's not my problem with it. It's just this, it doesn't make sense to be set in 1981. If you've read a book about the history of America, it, it like none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can't get away from so pointedly being, if it was like an undefined 1980s and it's Gotham, I could get it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so specifically 1981, which feels like him trying to be like, I want to find the happy medium between Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And I, I have such a big problem with De Niro basically being like a Johnny Carson type. It just that just doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird like shoving a talk show host, 80s talk show host, 
into this fucking uh, like a, a round peg into a square hole like it just doesn't work you know yeah and that like what? personally just bugs me it, it feels like nitpick a little bit but no no because here's the thing i don't think it's too much of a nitpick because if it's establishing it's like world of the 80s then you should have it be influenced by the politics and like the world views of that time and this film doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like it's none of about... it none of it is actively engaging with anything of that time period there's no reason for it to be set then and again once you once you know it's about cancel culture it's suddenly like you can be like oh he's doing backflips to make all this shit fit you know and yeah. his his De Niro character is meant to reflect all the talk show hosts who like make fun of Trump now. Because remember when talk show hosts suddenly got political when Trump got elected? Except remember how there had Jimmy never Fallon. been there had never been political talk show hosts before that. No, and then no. suddenly they got political. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, like it's. <sighs> See what they really should have done was brought Dick Cavett out of retirement. I mean that honestly would have worked. Like, if you bring him on the Dick Cavett show, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Dick Cavett would have totally had him on. Like, and shit would have gone bad. Yeah. And also... So, so, tell, so tell me, Mr. Joker, uh, what, what what is it about bang! your performance? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, honestly, it's this thing of, like, De Niro is, like, he he's styled after Johnny Carson, but acts like David Letterman, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a little too early. I think Letterman starts in, like the early 80s but i think 82 okay he starts in 82 so it's like a year early and the the letterman thing hasn't really become a part of culture like what i'm saying is todd phillips literally could have set this movie four years later and it would have worked a lot better because it is totally believable that like letterman would have joker on and would like have made fun of him you know yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense for a Johnny Carson to do that. And like I said, it's like, that's a nitpick, but it's just, it. all the choices are so lazy. It's, ugh. And uh, the other thing I want to point out um, is that, you know, Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> a guy who people have made a lot of criticisms about over the years, and very valid criticisms, but always been like, look, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino's got a lot of problems as a person. He's not always on the mark, but he's an undeniably, like, interesting filmmaker. And he seems to have his finger on the pulse of, like, film as an art form, you know? Mm -hmm. None of the thousands of think pieces have ever done as much damage to his credibility than him kind of, like, rallying around this movie. Which just baffles me. Well, you know who else rallied around it? Mm Hmm. Michael Mann. Yeah. Yeah. He penned a letter because he was supposed to interview Todd Phillips, I believe for the DGA interview. And, um, and so Michael Mann began his letter saying, I love this movie. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Not only Todd's best film, but it's exciting because it's on the frontier. And that's usually where very good things happen. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, Michael Mann hurts. That hurts every John Waters also liked it. Well, John Waters at least like that one at least kind of makes sense because he's well. A John Waters also. I want to say the one other thing that was like this isn't the movie's fault, but the disgusting, like media hype around this movie possibly causing real world violence. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Which was I don't blame the movie for that. Honestly, I a hundred percent blame the media for that. That they were almost like trying to will it into existence. You know? Yeah, that was very strange. That was just disgusting, and it's also like a play on an actual shooting that actually happened. 
that mm-hmm. the media also didn't do due diligence on because a lot of people still talk about the Dark Knight Rises shooting as being a Joker-inspired shooting, and there's just no evidence that that's what was happening there. Yeah. That fucking sicko picked the Dark Knight opening because he knew a lot of people would be there, and he dressed like the Joker because he knew a lot of other people would be dressed up. There's no evidence that he was trying to emulate the Joker, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's that was just disgusting. And it, But it also gave this movie... Like, uh, uh, not the movie's fault, but Warner Brothers definitely was kind of being like, the movie they don't want you to see, you know? Yeah. And I think John Waters kind of thought Joker was a more a lot more transgressive. And I think a lot of these older Hollywood types think the movie's a lot more transgressive than it actually is, you know? And I think that actually ties back to what we were talking about, how, like, people deep down, whether they realize it or not, want more out of this medium, out of this art form. Mm-hmm. And whether or not the movie actually delivers on that, I would argue, fuck not. But mm-hmm. I, I think we all want it. So I guess my my last note uh, to to this film is that just go out and fucking make your weird shit. It, it's gonna be more interesting than this if you put your like your heart and hard work and passion into it. So go go make uh, go make a movie. Go go watch a a good one. Stop uh, stop supporting Todd Phillips. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's too mean, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep to that one actually. Yeah, I just think that if you if you really have a finger on the pulse of what's going on, like you know what is and isn't transgressive these days, and Joker is like the furthest thing from transgressive you could possibly make. Hmm. Oh, although shout out to John Waters for being like, I don't know why rich people are all the rave right now. Back in my day, we used to stab them or something like that. But no, John Waters usually, honestly, John Waters usually comes out and says like, cool shit. But like Joker was like this one where I was like, yeah. But his his whole thing, his whole comment on it was like he liked that it was kind of controversial and was like, we don't really release controversial movies these days. And I think the thing is that the Joker's controversy was such a controlled and kind of fake controversy, you know? Yeah. As opposed to movies, there have been controversial movies lately, but they generated real controversy. Um, Sometimes from circles with some very fucked up agendas. And that's only going to get worse, frankly. Um, I mean, what, what people were upset about the fucking Pixar movie that came out recently. Um, what's that one called? Turning Red. Turning Red, yeah. Yeah. And that's where the that's what if that movie's transgressive, we are in a fuck lot of trouble. Yeah, and to be fair, it is fucking fantastic movie, and you should all watch that. Watch that instead of the Joker again. You know, I haven't watched any animated movies from like the past year. Uh, like, Turning Red's really fucking good. I'd be shocked if you didn't like it. I hope I like it. I, like, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to like it. Okay. Um, oh, here, here's a, a favorite John Waters quote before we, before we wind down. I have a thing about who I would cancel. J.K. Rowling. What's the <laughs> matter with her? <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, uh, Matt. Thanks for joining me. This was my pick for the failed award contender. Yeah, this was, this was, uh, the penance I had to pay for, uh, JFK. Yeah, like, but you know, I think we got an interesting conversation out of a dog shit movie. Rewatching this movie made me fucking miserable. Mm. I, I hate, I hated rewatching it. I'm glad I'll never speak about this movie ever again. Did Fuck this you, movie Diego. make you the Joker? <laughs> what? Did this movie make you the Joker? No, it made me tired. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm the oh. Joker of taking naps in the middle of the day. Okay. Oh, you know what? Here's my movie recommendation. Tony Scott's the fan. 
That's it. I just like... um, you know what? I haven't seen the fan in a long time, but I I remember that being one of the Tony Scotts I didn't like. No, Bobby, no. Yeah, I remember it being. I, I remember that was like kind of like it almost got like too dark. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, it's fucked up. But it's like it's definitely Tony Scott's uh, king of comedy. Yeah, it's also just the thing of just Todd Phillips just lacks any sort of empathy for any of the characters in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's like. Martin Scorsese has empathy for fucking Travis Bickle. <laughs> and, like, that's... It's one of those things where I think that gets mistaken for Scorsese endorsing the actions of these characters, and it's not. It's just... He, he, he just... He knows how to have an empathetic view of people, you know? Yeah. And it's a stupid fucking world. You can't, you can't make a movie like this without empathy. But, I don't know. It's... Eh. I feel like a fucking man without a country with fucking Joker. Right? <laughs> it really is like the like the circles in which this movie is like held up. It's like that thing when you find out that young Sheldon has like been on for ten years or something. That's right? not true. It's it's how long is it? It's like going into like its tenth season or something. That's not no. Let me check. Hang on, you're scaring me. Or it passed like its hundredth episode. It just as the okay. day the day of recording it reached one hundred episodes. Okay, it's five seasons, a hundred episodes. Okay, you know what? That that's a little upsetting. Yeah, that's not. Great. Yeah, like that's I said, two, it's it's two Americas, man. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is, Joker has a lot more crossover with Young Sheldon than it does with Taxi Driver. Bazinga. Matt, where can the people find you? <laughs> Did your aunt ever go to you and be like, "You must love Big Bang Theory"? That's never happened to me. And then you were like, I need to really rethink my life. <laughs> no, no, thankfully that that is not. I do know human beings, relatives that do that did enjoy the Big Bang Theory when it was on. I don't know if they're watching Young Sheldon just because the way we watch television has changed in the last decade. Mm-hmm. But I know many people that did watch um, the Big Bang Theory. Where I'm can the Emperor, people find OTN1 you, Matt? one at twitter.com. <laughs> You can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get all the other episodes of, of this podcast and uh, no YouTube version of this. Remember, everyone, so if you're listening on other other networks, podcast networks, thank you. Uh, if you, you know, no message for the YouTubers because they wouldn't even they wouldn't even be able to hear this. But um, Matt, should I should talk about what we're doing for the the final episode of this failed award contenders, right? Um. Well, Joker's uh, biggest fan. We're gonna we're gonna watch one of his movies. We're watching Michael Mann's The Insider. Uh, don't don't ever call him that ever again. Uh, yes, we're talking Joker. about Michael Mann's The Insider. Isn't Michael Mann's like uh, sight and sound top ten though? Like really wild. Oh yeah, Avatar's on there. Yeah, it's like Avatar, and then like a couple other things. Let me check right now. Hang on. This is this is actually important. If it's not, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. It's like Apocalypse Now. There it is. Yeah, I got it. Avatar. Battleship Temkin. Um, beautiful. <laughs> you read to film. Um, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Doctor Strange Love. My Darling Clementine. Uh, Passion of Joan of Arc. Raging Bull. The Wild Bunch. Okay. So Avatar and uh, Beautiful are just like a little like the two standouts of just being like, what? Yeah, Avatar, at least I get why it's on there. Beautiful. I, I do not get AGI. I do not get that filmmaker at all. Oh, you got comments here from a, from a man defending his choices. 
Um, he doesn't need to defend anything. struggle through the lower depths of Barcelona street life of a human soul. Beautiful is resplendent with grace, pathos, and love. Pure poetry. We've been professionally unprofessional. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs>